to Healing University. My name is Carrie Pickett. I am so excited to be joining you for uh, section two. I know I've already shared with you some other things already in this section, but I'm really excited about this lesson. It's really, really powerful. So we're going to be talking today, or it's lesson 14 uh, here in section two of Healing University. As you guys know, in section one, we really focused on, okay, what did you receive with the work of Jesus and how complete that work was, how encompassing that work was, how beautiful that work was and why it belonged to you and why you didn't have to earn it. It was a free gift. So I love that section. It's such a beautiful section. And so we were able to go through that with and got to introduce you to all the teachers here at Karis Bible College. And so that was a real privilege for us. But here in section two, um, as some of the other teachers have already explained, this is like how this is about how do I now walk in it. Okay, so, okay, I've heard this stuff. It belongs to me. How do I take all the stuff that God has already done in the spiritual realm, has done by the power of the cross, how do I bring that into the natural? How do I bring that into this body that the enemy is attacking? And so this is about how do you experience healing? Not just expect it and what God did and, and how it belongs to you, but now really how to experience it. So in this lesson, Lesson 14, section two, we're going to talk about the authority that you and I have as a believer. So authority of the believer when it comes to healing. You know, and all the stuff that I've shared with you so far, I've talked about the love of God and understanding God's love for you. We talked about our identity in Christ. We talked about some of these dynamics. We're talking here about authority of the believer. I love, love this teaching because for me, and the reason why this lesson is in level two is in level one, we really needed to talk about who you really are in Christ. You needed, we needed to talk about that, that God's love is for you. And then we start talking about the nature of God. Remember, we talked about the nature of God, that his nature towards you is always out of his goodness. He never does you harm. He says, I never have harm for you. He says, I only have plans to prosper you. So we started to destroy some of those lies the enemy might have been telling you and I that, oh, well, the sickness is from God and we just got to get through this test. No, we're not. That's not what uh, sickness is, it's not of God. It's from the enemy. So when we understand that with John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But God says, but I came to give you life and with abundance. These revelations that we've been talking about, you know, understanding God's love for you, not your love for God. God's not saying, Hey dude, I want to heal you. Except you just haven't prayed enough and you haven't fast enough and you definitely haven't given enough in the offering bucket. So you need to see to love me more and I'm going to heal you. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of religion. And so if we get these revelations and we start getting them in our hearts, and I'll just tell you, even though I've known the Lord for a lot of years, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I just turned 40. I got saved when I was six. So 34 years, uh, I've known the Lord. And these are still revelation he gives me back, brings me back to just how good he is. And so as these continue to grow in my heart, this lesson of authority of the believer becomes that much more solidified inside of me. Man, it's not just, oh, well, we just say something in the name of Jesus. It's so much bigger than that. And does the name of Jesus have power? Absolutely. Does the blood of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus, have power? Absolutely. But there needs to be some revelation behind that. Or I can just say, you know, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. And if I believe that has power, does it have power? No. 
I need to understand what it actually means to have this authority of believers. So these other revelations really play into that. Because when I start to realize, you know what? I'm loved of God. You're loved of God. Wow, I have the spirit of God inside of me. And so my identity is, is I see myself the way God sees me. That means I see myself healed. I see myself whole because that's who he is inside of me, his nature. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the healer, not just the one who heals. He is the very person, nature, persona of healing. And that lives inside of you and I. Wow, we get those revelations, then that that means when sickness comes against us, we can start to rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this sickness. I'm loved of God. I see myself whole. I know the healer lives within me. I know who God is in me. I know God is for me. I know God's not against me. Devil, who do you think you are? See, this, 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 and I talked about a little bit before. When you get a revelation of the love of God, man, it gives you an attitude. I mean, an attitude of like, no, 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 no. God loves me more than 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 this. Man, man, I am worth more than this sin or this temptation. Man, I know God is for me to only prosper me, never to harm me. It starts to create this conviction inside of you. So when the enemy comes, you just be like, no, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this. It gives it actually you, you know it. It's like I rebuke it, period. That's it. That's done. Versus like, well, we'll just keep saying the name of Jesus over it. Hope it works today, right? That's not how it works. And so I just want to talk about a spiritual authority, what it comes from, how do we apply it? So, and I've, I've worked with a lot of people. I've taught true nature of God. I talked about authority of believer. I've talked about it for years. It's some of my favorite concepts as far as foundations to teach, because I believe you can get on those foundations. It is, you're unstoppable because you're setting your foundations on the gospel. And so, and I think I shared this a little bit before when I was talking about true nature of God in, in section one is in Russia, you know, I was a missionary for, in Russia for 16 years and the mentality, you know, well, God's not, you never know what God's going to do. And God's a communist God. And we just really had to like bring this, the goodness of God in there. So when we start talking about the goodness of God and that he's never going to harm you, we always got this, this, um, these responses back. That basically was like, well, you know what? God can do whatever he wants. Uh, so there's nothing really we can do about it. So we really don't have authority over anything because we can't override God and whatever he might feel like today. You know what? It's really hard to operate in the authority as a believer if you don't know who your God is. Because I might use authority today, but what if God changes his mind tomorrow? Maybe sickness is not for this person here, but maybe God might put sickness on this person over here. So if God is like that, if God's schizophrenic, if God can do whatever he wants with no, no accountability, then there's no authority that I can actually use as, as his child. And people will be like, whoa, 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 wait, what are you just talking about? You put God under accountability. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. I believe God is God, but because he is so good, he says, listen, I'm going to show you who I am and make it so clear you won't be confused. So you can walk with confidence. You can walk with boldness. You can actually have intimacy intimacy with me, says the Lord, because I'm going to make who I am really clear. And how I'm going to do that for you as my child, I'm going to put who I am, what I will do, what I will not do, what I will allow myself to do, I'm going to put it in the parameters of the word so you know. 
so that you can always know who I am. So you can say, I know my God. So that then when the devil does something over here, you also clearly know, says the Lord, who the devil is. Because if God is anything, whatever, and I don't know who he is, then I don't know how to discern when the devil's trying to tell me, oh, well, that must be God when it's really him. Does this make sense? This is why it's so important, this message of, a, of, of the true nature of God and understanding this beauty and authority of the word of God. And so I put myself, I put my very word, God says this, I put my very self underneath this word so that you can open it up and says, this is how God's going to react. This is God's heart. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. And if I know what the kingdom of God looks like, then I'm really easy, able to discern and define what the kingdom of darkness looks like, right? So this is a huge, important part when we start talking about authority of the believer, because if I don't know who God is, then I don't know my authority over the enemy. Because, well, maybe I'm actually rebuking God if the sickness is from God, right? So this is why the enemy is so trying to destroy and distort who God really is. Because if he can confuse you on who God really is and what he does, then we will never step into our real authority. Because when you know your authority, then you can look at sickness and say, this is not the kingdom of God. This is not God's heart for me. This is not the goodness of God for me. So I can clearly define and discern that this sickness and this attack is from the enemy. This lie is, does not match up with the truth and the goodness of this word. And so I rebuke it. Man, it's just, oh, it, it, it's so freeing. And so then when you start going into places people's homes, people's, the different nations. Man, we've been in places where we could walk in and we could clearly, clearly, clearly see what was happening. We could clearly define uh, if a person was believing a lie about their marriage or their health, if there was a demonic activity happening because we knew who he was, we knew who God was. And that's not God. That's not what my God looks like. And so then we could come in Maybe not even knowing the language, but being able to say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this demonic spirit. I rebuke these lies. And there could people come at, they didn't, we couldn't even speak their language. They come up to us in sickness and we could say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this because I know it's not God. And people get healed and people get set free and get, and, and demons come out of them and marriages get healed because they're like, oh, I never saw that. Wow. That was God. Wow. That truth. I just, I've been believing a lie. This is why authority is so important, not just in how we minister to other people, but for you in your own heart. So I just want to give a, a little bit of background about authority, because sometimes people are like, well, when did we get authority? How did, how did we get authority? What about the whole fall and Adam and Eve? And it's really important to understand this because you start to see the goodness of God. And what Jesus gave to us so we could understand authority. So it talks about in Genesis chapter one, verse 23, where God gave authority to mankind. He gave authority to Adam. He said, you know, he's given him dominion. He's given him reign. He said, go all this stuff. He gave him authority. Well, then later we see in Genesis chapter three, where the enemy, right? In the form of the serpent was saying, you know, hey, listen, basically God's holding out on you. And if you don't eat of this tree, there's things that you're never going to understand, never going to know because God's just being selfish and greedy, basically. And if you 
don't do it, there's going to be things that you don't ever see. And Eve believed the lie, handed the fruit to Adam. Adam uh, was deceived, believed it as well, made a choice. So what they did in that moment is they surrendered their authority to the enemy on earth. So now the enemy has this authority to steal, kill, destroy. That not that that tree of the knowledge of good and evil started ushering in what evil really was, what it looked like, how they could participate in it. So there's all of a sudden this, this unleashing just of, of the enemy now having power to rule and reign and deceive and people believe it, right? So we gave up this authority. What I love about God is even in the midst of Adam and Eve making a mistake, he already began to prophesy of the coming of Jesus and what Jesus was going to do and how he was going to crush the head of the enemy, right? The power of the cross. And this is where the redemptive story is so beautiful. Not that we were just saved from our sins, but we were saved from the power of sin and death, Amen. We were saved from this ability of now the enemy having authority to do whatever, whenever, and we could just not be able to have this authority to respond back to him. So here's the thing. It says, we believe the lie when the enemy told us something, right? And so in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it talks about it's, it's God's will that none should perish. And I think this is really important because what people will come to me all the time and be like, well, Carrie, I believe God can do whatever he wants. And if he wanted people uh, to be saved, he would just save everybody. I mean, uh, you know, they just get, do this whole dynamic of the sovereignty of God and totally miscommunicate and misunderstand it. Right. And my thing is like God has done everything so that we, you and I could be saved. He said, I, I desire that all should come to repentance. I desire that all are saved. I put in place through my son, Jesus, the ability that all could be saved, right? But he also gave you and I free will. He gave us the right and the ability and, and to, to choose that, right? So in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, and I, and I love this verse because Jesus came basically here in Matthew, and this is this is when he had walked among the disciples. He had been walking among uh, the Gentiles. He'd been walking. He'd been he'd been doing signs and wonders and miracles. He'd been demonstrating the kingdom of God. He's getting ready to leave. This is at the very end. Go to the go to the last chapter of every book of the Gospels, and you're going to find the Great Commission. You're going to find the things that he said. Okay, now this is what you have. Now, because of me, because of my work, because of my sacrifice, because of my resurrection, this is what I'm giving to you. This is now the commission that I'm putting upon you. And he says this in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority, not some, not a little, not only certain areas like I all the authority in the church, but not over sickness, all the authority in marriage, but not over finances. He said, all authority. That's powerful. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the ends of the age. So here he's saying, listen, I came and restored. See, when Jesus came as a man, he's the son of God, right? But he was born of a virgin. He came as a man. He lived a sinless life so that as a man, he could tell the enemy, listen, 
I did not believe your lies. Now my perfect death and resurrection takes back the authority. And now I have all authority on heaven and earth. And then he looks at you and I and said, hey, by the way, with this authority, now I'm commissioning you to go out. Because if you read in the other gospels, he says that you shall cast out demons. You shall trample on serpents, that you shall heal the sick, teaching, discipling the nations. He says, listen, I am giving you the ability now to go out with my authority and destroy the works of the devil. That is so powerful. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13 says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Not some, all, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements as was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, all these rules, all these regulations, all these laws, He says, I have taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, meaning, okay, now Jesus says, I've taken all the requirements. I filled all the requirements. My blood has cleansed all these requirements that you had to do to get right with God. I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice. I'm taking it all, right? It's beautiful. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Some Bibles say he came and he made an open show of the enemy, saying, listen, what you did of sin and death and destruction, now I've provided life and resurrection power. I have fulfilled all the requirements. I have fulfilled all the regulations. I have cleansed them of all of their sin. I have taken it all, and now I have that authority. And I am now taking the, the keys of sin and death and hell. I made a, he said he took captivity captive. I love that. I just, I love that, that he took captivity captive and said, listen, he is a defeated foe in your life. And then he looks at you and I and say, listen, all authority has been given to me, not the devil. He says, guys, listen, we're not talking about the devil. We're talking about me. I have all authority over all heaven and all earth. Now, with this authority, go. Now you get to go with this authority. Now as a child of God, you have it in you. And now that authority in you can change your world. Not just your own sphere and your own family and your own body as far as your world. I mean your world, your nation, your language, your people, your culture, your society, your government, your everything. He says, now go and make disciples. See lives transformed with the power of the gospel because of the authority I'm now giving to you. And what I love is this authority is protected in Christ Jesus. So... You and I may make mistakes. The enemy may try to come against us because he's a defeated foe, but he will try to convince you that he still has authority. Do you hear what I said? This is really important. Even though he's a defeated foe, he will still try to throw attacks at you, symptoms at you. He'll still try to do things to try to tell you he still has the authority so that you back down, cower in a corner and say, oh, well, it's just the devil. He's actually been taken captive. He's actually a defeated foe, but he's trying to tell you that he's not. And that's why he will roar such crazy attacks at us. 
In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, this is powerful. It means that you can look at the enemy. He's trying to come against you. It wouldn't use that word resist if he wasn't trying to push your buttons. Amen. Right? He's trying to push your buttons. He's there. It sometimes feels so real. And I wouldn't say sometimes it feels. It it is real in so many ways. What's happening in your emotions and your body. It feels real. You're dealing with it. You can see the activity of the lies of the enemy in your body, in your family, in your marriage, all these different things. But you got to come to a place that's like, what I see, what I feel isn't actually real. It's not the truth. Because the truth is that the enemy is a defeated foe. The truth is that my body is under the ownership of Jesus Christ. And because of what he did for me, because his spirit lives within me, because his nature of Jehovah Rapha, the healer lives within me. That is a bigger truth than, than what I feel, what seems so real, the ache, the pain, the sharpness, the diagnosis, the piece of paper, the bottles of pills, the truth of who he is and what Jesus did is greater than the things the enemy's trying to deceive me in. He's trying to tell me that the doctor has the authority and the education to proclaim a diagnosis over my life. And who am I to argue with it? I'll tell you who you are to argue with it. You're a child of God. You've been redeemed and you have the spirit of God within you. That's who you are to argue with the things that the enemy says have authority in your life. Amen. And so what this does is when you start to realize these things, boy, there should be this attitude of faith that starts to stir up inside of you and say, you know what? I'm not going to believe what I see. I'm not going to believe what I feel. And I'll tell you, there's been moments that I have stepped into that. I'm just not going to believe it. Nope. And sometimes the symptom would try to get worse. Why? Because the enemy is trying to say, no, 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 wait, I have authority. And I got to push back and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have the authority to touch my body. I have been redeemed by the cross and the authority is now mine. So then you start to look at the enemy and say, I rebuke you. Mm. I got my preach on. Hallelujah. People who do not know their authority because they do not understand the covenant they live in. They don't realize they're not of the old covenant where the enemy had the authority. John chapter 10, verse 10, and, and we've, we mentioned this before, but it's just so important when we're talking about revealing the nature of God, we're talking about revealing uh, your authority. We talk about the new covenant relationship. We talk about uh, who God is for us and how he's, uh, how he's not against us. John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his nature. That's the only thing he knows. Now, it doesn't say that he has the authority to have the victory in stealing, killing, and destroying. It didn't say he had the authority. It says that's his nature. That's what he's going to try to do. That's the only thing he knows to do. Whether he's defeated in it already or not, he's still going to try. But then Jesus says, but I come that you may have life and have it with abundance. He says, listen, the enemy is going to try to do this, but there is something new that I've given you. I came that you could experience life and the victory of life and the authority of my abundant life in your life that overrides any attack of the enemy. 
in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, that we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. Right? And so when we realize our position in Christ Jesus, that we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we realize in our spirit, the nature, the God himself lives inside of us. That's so powerful. I, I, I know that you listen to Andrew um, in, in level one on spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to encourage you, if you did not quite get that revelation in that one class, Andrew has so much on it. Go to awmi.net. Go into, look for all the free resources, especially about spirit, soul, and body. I would consume that material. That He has a book on it. He has television series on it. This is a course that my husband and I, Mike, we just consume. We really take this and say, okay, this is who I am in the spirit. So because of that, that gives me spiritual authority over the works of the enemy, over, over the lies of the enemy. It gives me, it gives me authority to see and discern the attacks that might come from afar. It's just, it's awesome. That understanding who you are in the spirit says, I am a child of God. I'm of the kingdom of God. I have the righteousness of Christ Jesus. I have the victory of the cross in me. So that's my authority. So awesome. But here's the other thing about spirit, soul, and body. When we start realizing this in the spirit, then it starts to create a mentality, right? We're starting to renew our mind to this word and says, this is the authority I get to stand on. So now when I start renewing my mind according to the word of God, when a situation tries to come, I can start quoting this word. I start quoting the scripture and say, no, devil, you're telling me this, but God promised me this and all the promises of God are yes. And now I'm saying amen because of what Jesus did for me. And so you start to use those. You start to use this word, right? This is, this is a, is a sword, is a, is a sword. And it, it, it's a two edged sword. Man, it takes every lie of the enemy and destroys it on every side because of these promises. So no, so now we have who we are in the spirit. We look at this and say, this is who I am in the spirit. This is my promise. I'm going to renew my thinking towards this. So in symptoms or sickness or diagnosis or debt or relational issues, try to come against me and say that they have authority to define the quality, the longevity of my life. I recognize those are lies because I've been putting these promises in. I've been putting life inside of me. It's changed the way I think. So when the enemy says something or someone else says something that doesn't match up with his word, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, that's not truth. And then what begins to happen is because now of the spirit and the soul, they're being re- your spirit is man is renewing your mind right now with your body. This is what's awesome. Sometimes people just disregard the body. Oh, well, it doesn't matter the body. It does matter the body. I'll tell you right now, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a magnificent temple. I don't care what you think you look like or who you compare yourself to. Your body is beautiful and it is given to this world for such a time as this. It is the carrier of the kingdom of God. Do you know that's why the enemy fights our bodies? making us tired, groggy, sore, in pain. Because when that's happening, we're focused on those feelings and emotions. And we forget that we're this temple carrying the kingdom of God, that we're this temple that gets to be used, our hands and our feet and our words, that, that it's through this temple that the spirit of God shines. That we get to be salt and light through this temple. Amen. 
And so that's why the enemy tries to attack it because he doesn't want you to shine. He wants you completely over here in a wheelchair or in a, in a bed or, or on the couch and I just can't move and I just, that's what he wants. He doesn't want your temple out there shining, moving, testifying, going to all the world, teaching the gospel, cleansing the lepers, healing the sick, raising the dead. Ooh, the enemy doesn't want that. He knows, <laughs> this is good stuff, you guys. He knows the power of what your body can accomplish in this world. Yes, is it decaying? Yes, is it getting older? Yes, will it eventually die? But man, this temple right now is precious in the sight of God. It is. It's, it's absolutely valuable to God. That's why he says, I want you not just to have life in your spirit. I want that abundant life of who you are in the spirit to spill out in your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body. So that now spirit, soul, and body, we're starting to proclaim the glory and the goodness of God. This is good. And so our body is the way we interact with the physical world. Our, through our body, we can testify, hey, let me tell you what God did to me, what, how God healed me, how God energizes me, how God gives me wisdom, how God gives me strength, how God uses me, whether he, he uses you athletically. Boy, there's some people that are doing things athletically and they're doing it for the glory of God. Their body has allowed them a platform to declare the goodness of God. Right. So the enemy, boy, he does not want your body to, to testify to God. So there's, that's why there's such an attack on it. That's why it's OK to stand for your body and say, no, this temple is going to be whole. This temple is going to be healed. Sometimes Christians will do this thing like, well, you know, praise God, I'm saved. And, you know, God has redeemed me. And boy, he's just cleaned up my thoughts from pornography and he's cleaned up my thoughts from anger and he's cleaned up my thoughts from cussing and, and swearing and, and being judgmental. And man, there's been such an awesome, beautiful, man, you got a beautiful testimony. But then they kind of stop there and say, well, but you know, we live in this world and if you know, you get sick and it's cold season. Well, you know, at least praise God what God's done in these other realms. Allow the testimony of what God's done in your spirit and your soul. Man, let that start touching your body. See, you know what? I'm going to allow this body to testify to God just as the other things testify to him. Amen. I want to I encourage you. You need to start saying, you know what? This temple is going to glorify God. Therefore, I'm going to stand up and use my authority and I'm going to rebuke these sickness. I'm going to rebuke these symptoms. I'm going to rebuke Whatever disease, whatever ache, whatever pain that you and I can sometimes so easily just accept as part of life. No, man, this temple is the, my ability to touch this physical world. If I was invisible, uh, this wouldn't work, would it? <laughs> You'd be like, who's talking? <laughs> no, my body has allowed me to stand here to be able to minister to you, Right. As your body in your home allows you to minister to your family. As your body walks into work, it's now a place where you get to testify of the goodness of God. Everywhere you go, your body has the ability to bring glory to God. So understand that this is why some of the attacks of the enemy. But he'll just say, well, it's not really spiritual to want your healing. I mean, it's better just to, you know, get your heart right and get your mind right. No, with my heart right and my mind right on the word of God, I can say now that is going to demonstrate itself through my body. I just, you know, as, I, as I'm talking, I just really feel like 
for some of you, you've just gotten so used to your body being broken. It's just become some of your reality. And so you're pursuing God, you're loving God, but you just kind of let go of this third part of your redemption, spirit, soul, and body. It is, it, God wants to, God wants to see you healed and set free and enjoying his abundant life in your body just as much as in your mind, will, and your emotions. Amen. I think that's really important. That is for somebody very specific. First Peter chapter five, verse eight. And I, and I love this verse. It talks about that the enemy goes around like a roaring lion. And you know, my husband and I, and I remember there's someone that said this. And when, when he said it, my husband and I just really got a hold of this. And he said, it says that the enemy is like a roaring liar. Didn't say he is a roaring lion. He said he's like a roaring lion. It says, be sober. And, you know, different versions. And I'm reading out of New King James. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then in verse 9, it says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. I like this because he said, this is what can happen. The enemy, again, he's going to try to tell you he has authority. He tries to tell you. You know, it was interesting. You know, I've, I've been in zoos. And uh, I remember as a, a little girl, um, we had been at a, a, a zoo. And we were in... Um, kind of like the aquarium section and, and it was in hallways and it was kind of in a building and we were looking at all this stuff and outside. So right outside that section of the zoo, what was the lion, the lion cages? Anyway, they roared. There was one of them that roared and just the acoustics in that building, it absolutely felt like it shook the building. Just the way the, the, the door being opened, when he roared, it roared in the acoustics, kind of raced down that hallway. It, it felt like the, the walls and the glass to that aquarium just shook. It was impressive, terrifying, but impressive at the same time. I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember my mom looked at my dad and said, that's a little scary. Are they behind the cage? You know, because she's looking at the mother hen. She starts looking at her kids, right? And so you, they're, they're majestic. And that roar kind of will paralyze you. And that's the whole goal of the roar of a lion. Just that natural uh, uh, part of the way God created lions. When that lion roars, it is supposed to paralyze the prey. Even if just for a fraction of the second, right? It, it's supposed to paralyze them so that he can pounce. And this is exactly what the enemy's tactic is today in the spirit. What he'll do is he'll roar cancer at you. He'll roar a diagnosis at you. He roars pain at you. And he looks to see how you respond. Oh, yeah, you know, my grandma had breast cancer. My mom had breast cancer. So I guess that, yeah, you know what, that makes sense. And he says, okay, they believed it. They believe it's possible. They believe it's theirs already. And then he can set out to devour them. 
So you and I, when the enemy roars, we've got to recognize the roar has no authority. Man, that's just, that's powerful. You recognize when he roars something at you, when he roars defeat or failure, when he roars uh, perspectives of you that aren't true, when he roars diagnosis, when he roars, you know, uh, attacks towards your children, you are able to discern and say, whoa, 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 that is a toothless lion roar because your teeth have already been ripped out. <laughs> you captivity has been led captive and I have authority. So I look at this and I say, no, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. I say, absolutely no way. I said, this, this allows you to say, no, because of my authority in Christ Jesus, it goes into verse nine, resist him steadfast in the faith. You know, I know my faith. I know what Jesus died to give me. I know what the cross provided for me. So because of that, I resist you, enemy. You may roar all day long. You may roar with a battery of positive tests. It's still a roar and I still rebuke it. I resist it in the name of Jesus. See, understanding this then gives us that authority to start resisting him and rebuking him. Your ability to walk in your authority truly comes from your understanding of, I know God loves me. You know what? I know God loves me. I, I know that I'm a new creation in the spirit as he is. So am I in this world. That means in this world, I have the ability to walk in divine health and divine wisdom and divine guidance because as he is, because his spirit lives within me, I can live in this world different. I may be in it, but I'm not of it. And people say, whoa, 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 you're getting kind of radical there. You live in the world. If it's flu season, everybody's going to get it. Get over it, honey. No. Man, I have kids that are in school. We don't, they don't get sick. It was just so interesting. We lived in, in, in Russia and just, you know, it's, it's just cold all the time in Russia. And they're just people and you get around people and then you're on the metros and you're in the subways and, you know, everybody's touching stuff. And there's just people everywhere. You're on the buses. The mass transportation was the way we got around. We didn't have a car. And so we traveled, we walked you're around people all the time. Well, you get in rush hour traffic in the metro system underground in St. Petersburg, Russia, you could literally lift up your legs and not fall. It was that tight. You have people right here, no personal space whatsoever. And so people just say, oh, well, you know, people, you're just going to get sick. No, it was interesting because I think my daughter was like three or four years old and got her first, first cold at that age. And I remember uh, calling up my mom and saying, hey, what do I do about a fever? And mom's like, what do you mean? What do you do about a fever? And I'm like, what do I do about a fever? Eliana has a fever. And obviously I had prayed for her, right? But I'm just like, what do I do with a fever? What is it? And mom says, has, have you never dealt with a fever? And I was like, no. She goes, how old is Ellie? And I'm like, she's three. And she's like, she's never had a fever. She's never been sick. It was just like, it kind of blew my mom's mind. You can come to places like, you know what? I may be surrounded by sickness and I don't have to get sick because I believe that the spirit of God and the authority in me is greater than anything else. This is absolutely powerful. So there's a story and I love, I love, I love this story because um, it just shows the goodness of God and the power of God. And just you and I need to, you, you and I need to take the limits off of God. Mm -hmm. You know, so 
You can get to a place where you have let your sickness, you've let your disease become so real and have so much authority in your life. You forget how big God is and that he can do the impossible. He can do the impossible. A minister by the name of David Hogan, he tells a story about going through the jungles of Mexico, kind of deep in. He and his team, they're going in, they're walking along the path, and they're singing worship and praises to God. And uh, they get to this village, and the pastor meets them and says, oh, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for making this effort, and we just so appreciate and we so value your time. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And he's like, here's our little church over here, kind of, you know, like this little mud hut kind of over here. So this is our church. We're going to have your service. And he's all excited. And David said that all of a sudden he then smelled something. He was like, oh, my gosh, what is that smell? Oh, my gosh, that is, oh, wow. And he said it was one of those smells that kind of assaults you every time you breathe. It wasn't like a, a smell that you can get used to, like, you know, bad smells that you can kind of get used to over time, you know, like dirty feet and things like that. And he kind of get used to it after a while. But this smell just kept kind of assaulting him. And he looked at the pastor and his curiosity was just like, what smells so bad? What is that? And so the pastor pointed over, um, kind of off to the side, kind of on the edge of the village, this uh, pile of rags. You know, it's about, you know, probably up, up to here, pile of rags. And uh, so he went over it and he's looking at it and thinking, what could smell? You know, of course, the closer he got, the worse it smelled. And he said he kind of picked it up and kind of looked underneath of it. And he said, underneath was this man that was rotting with leprosy. And the stages of leprosy was he had no nose anymore. It had rotted in. He had no ears. He had no fingers. He had no toes. I mean, just pussy and bloody and, and oozing. And he said, he was like, whoa. And he walked away and the spirit of the Lord spoke to him in Matthew chapter 10. He said, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I cry every time I tell this story because I love it. So he goes over to the man and he lifts it back up. And he said, you, he said, let me teach you the kingdom of God. And he talked about Jesus, what Jesus had done for him, how Jesus had died for him, how he could receive that grace through faith. He could receive Jesus. And he asked him, do you want to pray and receive Jesus? And the young man said, yes. So he led him to the Lord and he said, amen. And then he put it down and he started to walk away. And the spirit of God continued to speak the rest of the verse there in, in Matthew. And he said, and he said, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. So he's like, all right. So he goes back over and he lifts it up and he says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to experience the power of God? And the young man said, yes. He said, well, I'm going to pray for you. And then as he's saying, I'm going to pray for you, the spirit of God speaks to him again and says, Lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. <laughs> now, he's a guy with leprosy, right? We know how leprosy works, right? Contagious. But he said he wrestled with it in his heart, but he was just like, Lord, all right. And he said he took his hand and he laid it on this young man. And he said as he laid his hand on his head, he said his hand sunk into his skull, sunk into it. And all the juice and the pus just 
oozed through his fingers. So he said, in the name of Jesus, be healed, cleansed, and whole. In the name of Jesus, amen. He pulled his hand out, dropped the thing, told the pastor, get me a bucket of soap, get me a bucket of water and lye soap right now. He said he's washing his hands, right? He's scrubbing his hands. And the devil's telling him, you're going to die of leprosy. You're going to die of leprosy. So he had to rebuke it, right? No, I'm not. I obey the Lord. Praise the Lord. He leaves. And about, I think, if I recall the story correctly, there's a period of time of at least two months. It might have been a little longer. He comes back to this village. And so he comes in. He's greeting people. And people are greeting him again because, you know, they know him. And he said he went into the church and he said there's this really handsome young Mexican man, shining, just just muscles and shining and standing there just beaming at him. And he walked over to me and says, well, hello, young man. And the young man says, you know me. And he goes, no, I don't. I don't think I know you. I don't think I've ever met you before. And he was just he had this charisma and this glow and this shine about him. He's like, he's thinking I would have remembered this young man. And he says, yeah, he says, yeah, you met me before. And he said, no, I have not met you before. And he looked at him. And he said, the last time you saw me, I didn't have any nose. I had no fingers. I had no toes. I had no ears. And he looked at me and said, oh, I do know you. (laughs) This is the power that you and I have as authority of the believers that I don't care what has been declared over your life. I don't care what sickness people say is impossible. Leprosy, AIDS, cancer, whatever stage it's in. I'm telling you right now that nothing is impossible to God because in his word, he gave us truth. He gave us promises. He gave us his covenant and said, this is the authority that I won back for you. And now I give it to you. And no matter what the enemy tries to tell you, he has authority in. He does not have the authority. He does not have the authority to declare what your life will be like, what your body will be like, or what your future can and can't be because of his false roar. And so I'm going to encourage you. When you look at the word of God, as all of us teachers have been sharing with you the the word and these promises and that healing belongs to you and what it looks like and how to apply it. It's not just words. It is the authority of God that he's put before you and said, now speak this. Because when you speak this, you know this, you speak this over the enemy. This is your weapon to resist the devil. And it says he will flee. It doesn't say he might flee. It says he will flee. And it was, it was funny. I'll just share this last story. You know, I'm praying over my daughter and she's got a sore throat. Uh, this was a couple years ago. And I remember I was praying over, she's mom, I have a sore throat. I said, come and I pray. I said, I rebuke this sore throat in the name of Jesus. Sore throat, you have no authority in my daughter's body. You have no place. Jesus lives here. There's no room for sickness. Jesus, top of her head, bottom of her feet, side to side. She's full of Jesus. She's full of healing. I rebuke you. I curse you. Go right now in the name of Jesus. She'd run off and she'd play. And later I ask her, how's your throat feeling? She says, it's good, mom. I was like, okay. And then she come back, you know, a couple hours. I'm like, mom, my throat's starting to hurt again. I said, okay, no problem. Let's pray. And we would rebuke the enemy again. And so we had this thing where we would say, and devil, I'll just throw you in the river. Because next to our home, we have this creek. It's not a river. But we have this pretty fairly quick, it's about only that deep, um, a rushing spring-fed creek. It's 
beautiful. I love it. I just, one of my favorite things about our property. So here in the mountains of Colorado, you know, all the snow. And so, especially when the snow is melting, man, that thing, it'll actually overflow the banks, come up on the bridge and kind of overwhelm the area. And it's fast. So we're always telling the kids, don't, don't drop your toys in there. I mean, it's not going to drown them, but they might slip and fall, hit their heads. So we're still telling them, Hey, be careful around the water. And if they drop a ball, it's pretty much going to be gone, right? And so we always tell them, and we, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke it. And devil, we throw you in the river. You know why? Because my kids got a picture that once we threw something in the river, twig, sticks, because they're always throwing things in it, a ball, it was gone, right? It's going to go past our property, underneath the road, into the res- into the, the state park next to us. It was gone. I mean, we might try to catch it. And I I couldn't catch a lot of their balls. I I buy a lot of balls for my kids. So when we said we throw you in the river, they just got this understanding. Okay, we cursed it and it's gone. So it was interesting. I was praying for my daughter one last time and and, and praying for her. She said, Mom, if we throw the devil in the river, why does he keep coming back? And I said, that's a really good question. I said, you want to know the answer? She said, yes. I said, because he's stupid. (laughs) Because he's going to keep trying. He's going to keep trying to get it. He'll come back and he might try to bring that symptom again or anything again. I'm just telling you right now, you continue to rebuke it every time because every time he tries to bring it, it's a false war. And he's seen, will they receive it this time? Don't receive it. Unfortunately, we're out of time. There's so many more things I want to say to you. I encourage you again on awmi.net. Check out Andrew's book. He has a book called The Believer's Authority and a whole series on, uh, on what it means to be a believer and how to use that authority, how to speak it forth, how to speak the word, please check that out. You're going to be super blessed. I'm going to pray for you really quick here, okay? Father, I just thank you for my brother and sister for if they're watching it individually or if they're watching it in a group, I just thank you that no roar of the enemy has a authority over their lives. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us authority so that we could resist the devil and he will flee. It is a promise. So Father, right now we just declare and we receive your goodness and your love towards us that we know who you are, what you'll do. And because of that, we know the devil. And so we have the ability to recognize the devil. And so we say right now over every sickness, every disease trying to come against my brother and sister, we rebuke right now in the name of Jesus. We curse it. We tell it has no place, no authority in Jesus' name. We throw it into the river. It's going out of their bodies. It's out of their systems. It's out of, I just curse symptoms right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that if something tries to come back, if they stand up and feel pain, they'll just say, no, it's not mine. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. If they have to say that every step that they take, no, it's not mine. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this. Thank you for the victory Each and every one of them are going to see in their bodies. Lord, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. (laughs) Tonight was heavy, wasn't it? (laughs) Deep, deep. Very good. Very good. Very good stuff. So... Don't want to add anything. Not <laughs> my papers off. Uh oh. <laughs> so. We have that authority. <laughs> I, think, I think understanding you have the authority is one thing, but.